How's everybody doing? Uh, well, I'm going to take a few minutes to actually address a few of the top 10 things that cults tend to do when it comes to masterminding the brain. Yes, another word for that is called manipulation. And so I'm here on onlinepsychologydegree.info. And so there's 10 things to know about the psychology of cults. Uh, if it's your first episode tuning in, my name is Josue. I'm the host. So let's dive right in. Um, and I want to go into all these points and maybe just tackle a few things for each one so we can make this pretty uh, quick and, and breezy, right? So number one, uh, cults are attractive, but they promote an illusion of comfort. Human desire comfort, and it's a fearful and uncertain world many turn to cults because they tend to promote exactly that. A psychologist at Caltech has pointed out that cult leaders often make promises that are totally unattainable, but also offered by no other group in society. Such things might include financial security, total health, constant peace of mind, eternal life, the things every human desire at the deepest level. So in cults, you find out that number one, they do tend to pull in your pocket. That's a term that I just made up, right? Pull your pocket. It sounds cliche. Hashtag. So they ask you for money um, and they ask you for more money. And so depending on where exactly the church's agenda is, whether they want you to spend money on on food or they want you to spend money on a particular curriculum that you're about to enter into, maybe like a, a seminar or a lecture or a conference, they really encourage you to invest your money in. They're also very, they are very interested in your job. And so that's why cults are very aware of who they choose when it comes to membership. They don't choose the handicapped and they don't choose the homeless because they can't really invest, uh, let alone um, better the church. In fact, they're probably going to take advantage more than actually invest and that's the unfortunate truth of cults that's why they don't they don't really preach to people of the lower economic bracket um this church also cults tend to also talk about total health now when i think of cults and and, and total health and i think of if you keep a certain practice then you will be safe from i want to say viruses or car accidents or uh, tribulation i don't find that in scripture in fact christ says that walking with him being a follower of him you're going to go through tribulations you're going to be crucified in a sense and it's not to be taken metaphorical it, it's it's going to happen right we all are going to suffer but these cults make you feel as if that's just figuratively speaking, that's not literal. And so you don't have to worry about that. And so you'll have total health. And so in the World Mission Society Church of God, if you keep their Passover, then you don't have to worry about sickness. Uh, if you're a Jehovah's Witness and you're a diligent worker and you're completed your thousand hours, you can finally get baptized in the name of Jehovah. And then you, you won't go through any sickness. If you're a Mormon, um, you may go through sickness. I don't. I don't believe that they don't believe you will. Um, but that you're in in the hands of Elohim and that you're okay and that you know and whatnot. 
constant peace of mind. Um, so the Bible tells us to um, take all thoughts captive in Christ Jesus. Um, Paul tells us in, in Philippians 4.14 to not to look in the past, but to keep moving forward. This is scripture. This is what the Bible tells us to do. And it's, and it's biblical and it's good um, to, to think of the goodness of it. The problem is cults don't do that. In fact, cults, when they think of constant peace of mind, it all depends on you. It, it has nothing to depending on God. They, they say that the reason why you're having trouble is because you're not following Jehovah. Or the, the reason why you're having financial um, issue is because you didn't keep the Passover. Or the reason for what anything is going on in life is because you didn't do X, Y, and Z. And so it becomes a doctrine or belief of you and not God. And so God's grace it doesn't really play the sufficiency in your life, right? So the more sin grace abounds, well... For cults, it's more like the more sin, it's your fault. Get yourself out of the hole, and so that's just not that's just not biblical. I think that to be um, horrible because it becomes man centered, not God centered. Cults satisfy the human desire for absolute answers. So um, cults have a way of telling you that we have all the answers. They're almost like fundamentalist. They believe that. Um, Everything you ever need to know is within us, and we and we have all the answers to all your issues. And there are groups of people who are like that, and I don't believe that to be the case. I think that there's questions in life that you will not know until you come to the presence of God, until you die and you, and you meet God. I think that God is the only one who can satisfy us, and so clearly we are required on, on earth to hold on to our faith for reasons that we don't have all the questions. I, I don't know exactly how everything in Scripture is explained. I don't know how Jonah and, and, and the whale, how that worked out. I don't know exactly how Noah's art worked out. But I have faith in Christ that one day we'll all find out. But cults tend to really give you answers. And these answers can come off very uh, superficial and cliche and... It's like a just believe it and, and, and run with it. And so I think it's very disingenuous. It's not honest. It's not even human to think that we can just figure everything out um, within just a couple of words and be satisfied with it. We have here, those with low self-esteem are more likely to be persuaded by a cult environment. People are often surprised to learn that those who join cults are, for the most part, average people. They come from all backgrounds, all zip codes, and all tax brackets. But research done in the past two decades has found an interesting pattern. Many people successfully recruited by cults are said to have low self-esteem. So, again, my experience when it comes to cults is that the background that they're aiming for, yes, poor, rich, educated, non-educated, they, they do choose they don't really are, are prejudiced um, on, on which bracket you're in. They do choose mostly people who have money. They tend to look towards people who are very well educated. It makes them, it, it makes branding a lot easier for them. If you're from Harvard University and 
you wear a suit and you have a great job, then yeah, for them, that's a, that's a kudo. That's a very great thing because they can promote you and promote the branding, which is the cult. And it makes it easier. It makes it flowing. They, they probably think you're very smart and very eloquent. And so it makes it quicker for you to go about doing that. We can also see that cults tend to target people who don't know their Bibles. And so what they do is they'll have a discussion with you with someone who probably knows their Bible. And when they see that you're trying to corner them, they would kind of extend their hand say, thank you. We shouldn't argue about this. The word of God. Thank you for having, you know, having a good conversation. Have a nice day. And they usually do that because the person they're with is usually like someone that they're like discipling. And so they don't want their disciples to think that, you know, we look bad or that someone's actually, you know, proving us wrong or exposing us. And so they, they flee from the scene before their disciple or their pupil or their, you know, whoever they're training uh, finds out that there's some holes in in this doctrine, that there's some holes in this theology. And so before any of that of those doubts arise, they will cover those holes like Swiss cheese, right? They'll cover all these holes with saying, these are the Babylonians, right? They're fooled, um, they're liars, uh, Satan has gotten to them. And so they brush stroke each one of the Christians who know their Bible with their blinded that's dishonest that's not true and 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 there's no humility in that and so um for the sake of just previous testimonies you probably come across people who um it's saturday and they're trying to follow the sabbath day and so it's from friday evening to saturday evening and so they go out and they preach about mother god and so you probably think of it like whoa Maybe there's some other God because they give you a scripture that has nothing to do with Mother God, but because it says, "In our and 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 the slave woman is free and she is our mother." In this Galatians four, you think, "Whoa, maybe this is true," but when you look at it, the context, you see that it was just a, uh, it was allegorical. It was referring to the two covenants. It was referring to Hagar being the slave woman and Sarah was the promised woman and and and. Are you the old covenant or are you the new covenant? And are you saved by grace or are you trying to be saved by the law? And when you make that distinction, you see that this is actually a teaching method that Paul used to speak to the Galatians because they were so easily moved in chapter 1 of Galatians of, of a false gospel. And when you put that in context, you see that there is no mother God. That there's he, he just Paul was just speaking in a different language. So... That's what cults do. They try to entrap you and they try to distort texts. And when someone tries to prove them wrong, they flee from the scene. Let's go with the next thing. Actually, before I actually check it out, you see here, um, cults generally do not look to recruit those with certain handicaps or clinical depression. However, people with low self-esteem are easier to break down. And build back up an effort to teach them that a cult is a supportive environment they're looking for. So, I don't know if cults have like, like counseling. Uh, maybe someone can let me know. I don't think so. But new recruits are love bombed. Once people have recruited by a cult, they are often love bombed. This odd phrase is commonly used to describe the way in which someone with low self-esteem is constantly flattered complimented and seduced in order to train their brain to associate the cult with love and acceptance. 
So you've probably been love bombed at work, at church, by your friends, and it usually begins very nice, but then there's like a drop, like any roller coaster, and you're like, whoa, like, why can't I feel the same way I felt the first day I came here? Well, because you've been love bombed. And the last thing you want to feel is hate bomb. So, you know, let's just keep it within the love bombing. They love bomb you because that's probably what they think you're expecting to be felt. Like they expect you to think that you're super welcome, that you're super loved, but they don't really care about your life. They care just about that you're present, that you're at the church, that you're investing, and that they also have baggage, but they're not trying to express that baggage because they have to put out an outlook, right? Jesus referred to these people as people who are clean in the outside of the cup, but they're dirty in the inside. And so who wants to hear and spend time listening to someone's baggage? Well, Jesus does, but cold stone, right? A lot of Pharisees don't. Next thing is women are more likely than men to join a cult. It's a whole lot of writing here, so I can't really read all of this. So I'll say this, that from my experience, I've seen more females in cults. Um, and I don't know how true this is, but it says that 70% of cult members around the globe are females. It also says here that others suggest it has to do with the fact that women have been oppressed for much of human history. Therefore, they're more comfortable being under an authority figure. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. I don't know. Many cult members have rejected religion. Um, I guess what they're probably referring to is like an organized religion, like main labels, like Christianity, Catholicism, like big Islamic, you know, these big, I don't know, big, big names, I guess. I don't really understand that one. Uh, cults maintain their power by promoting an us versus them mentality. In other words, they tend to promote this victim mentality where they feel as if they're the holiest people in the world and everyone around them are clearly sons of the devil, right? They're, they're sons of wrath, that they're horrible people and that they don't want you to, to succeed by any means uh, of the imagination and that if you go outside and they persecute you, then you're doing the will of God or that if you're outside and you're 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 trying to have a conversation, but the person you're, ta you're talking to is not understanding you. They're clearly blinded. And so this is clearly this victim uh, card that they're pulling out instantly. It's like playing Pokemon. It's like a trap card or something. And so they, they feel as if anything wrong is persecution. Well, you don't only just find this in the World Mission Society. You find this in Jehovah Witnesses. You find this in... Mormonism, you find this in just about any cult. As, as a Christian, when I see the persecution that comes with being a, a believer of Jesus, I, I don't necessarily associate that with, oh, that somehow I'm the persecuted one, that I'm the victim. In fact, the outlook is that people are lost and, and lost people don't necessarily know that they're lost. And when they see the light, they feel uncomfortable because they are enjoying the darkness that they've already been in for such a long time. And so I love they love their sin more than they love the love of God. And so I don't see that as they hate me. They just don't understand what love is. And they don't understand who God is. And they don't understand what the God of the Bible has been willing to do to save them. And so I don't look at it as people are persecuting me unless they really are haters of, of Jesus, unless they are truly people who don't appreciate 
the gospel and they, and, they, and they hate us and they want us like what happens in the Middle East and Christians being bombed in school buses and yes I, I would say okay that's a clear association but I don't want to jump the gun and say that everything that goes wrong is because obviously they know that I, I most people don't even I won't say most people don't know I'm a Christian people, most people do know I'm a Christian but that's not to say that people who don't know me you know could easily identify that because I have a label in my forehead I mean, unless I have a conversation with you and, and we talk about Christ, and yeah, you'll find out I'm a Christian, but doing morally and ethically good thing, anyone can do that. Just gotta shake your hand or, or buy you a breakfast or tell you that you're a great friend. That doesn't indicate me as a Christian. I mean, people who are atheists do those things. People who, who are, are Muslim do those things. Good deeds are good fruits. Romans 10 tells us that we must preach the gospel so they must know or that they, they should know that Christ saves them. So that's the only way they can know unless I preach to them or talk to them or somehow show some Christianese to them. Until then, they're just looking at me or judging me as a typical, you know, ordinary guy who's doing the good thing because good things is what we what we want to do, you know. So I want to say that. So again, Cults do victim, they have a victim mentality. And so the last one I'll do before I leave, it's cult leaders are masters at mind control. So I would do a few things here. Public humiliation. New cult members may be love bombed shortly after their arrival. But once they are established members, cult leaders often maintain emotional control through various exercises meant to publicly humiliate a member. One such method involves someone sitting in a chair surrounded by other members, at which time they are required to admit their recent failures, base thoughts, shortcomings. It is almost like confession, and people are not allowed to, I want to say, pull confession out of you, right? Jesus is our mediator. He is the one that we speak to. He is the person we confess to. No one else um, should be controlling us, making us feel that we have to confess to them. That's just another way for them invading our privacy. Self-incrimination. A favorite tactic of the infamous cult leader Jim Jones, self-incrimination requires cult members to provide their leaders with written statements detailing their individual fears and mistakes. Cult leaders can then use these statements to shame individual members publicly. Again, it, that's another word there, shaming. Brainwashing. Cult leaders are known to repeat various lies and distortions until members find it difficult to distinguish uh, between reality and cult life. Again, if, if this is making sense to you and you'd like to share your story, uh, my, my platform is available for you. Last one is paranoia. To maintain a false sense of comfort, cults often rely on paranoia tactics. Cult leaders convince their victims that, are, that a group their families and or the governments out to get them again the victim mentality but that the cult can provide safety so safety shelter right that's part of the control to keep you within the church once a cult member comes to the conclusion that their families and countries country cannot keep them safe they begin to worship and put all their faith in their cult leader all this just becomes reliance right they rely on their on their leader and they rely on them for everything codependency and now you know what happens when you become codependent it's super hard to get yourself detached jim jones was uh, especially skilled at this mind control trick he would encourage members to spy on each other and consistently spoke through loudspeakers 
at all hours of the day so that cult members would hear his voice whether awake or asleep. Let me read that one more time. And consistently spoke through loudspeakers at all hours. That is just wild. And now, we don't have loudspeakers today as far as people speaking, you know, through the streets. But cult members are being harassed through text messages, are being harassed through voicemails, are being harassed through phone calls, are being harassed through random home visits, are being harassed where members are working at a job and then members of the church are visiting their job to see how their job environment is. I mean, if, if this is not cult tactics, if this is not cult, uh, a cultish mindset, I don't know what is. And this is all part of the mind control where they try to keep you in. Biblical Christianity gives you the liberty to go ahead and do whatever it is you want to do. And that's not to say that we don't care, but we also don't want to invade your privacy because at the end of the day, this walk is between you and Christ. And anyone else you invite in is out of your own pleasures, out of your own cho choosing. And so we respect and we love you enough that if you want us to, you know, be to partake in your walk with Christ for a specific a chapter in your life or a season or forever, and we would, we would, you know, hope that you would ask us. But for us to just invade and walk in and intrude and to breach, that's just not biblical. That's just not loving by no means. And just ending this episode off, I would say, guys, if you are experiencing this and you need a, a platform, if you feel as if this is something that you're going through, I would ask you to email me, to write to me, and, and that I would love to hear your story and that we can share your story. And, and for anyone who is going through this, I hope and pray you can be pulled out and somebody will help you um, get out of this area. And if you've already been out, you, you probably are feeling like feeling that the res the residual effect, your anxiety is so high, you're depressed, you feel as if you no longer or you lost all your friends. Uh, let's get real with it. It's hard to make friends as you get older. It's a lot easier when you're younger and people who've joined this group start at a very early age. And so now they're at adulthood where Having friends and creative friends is not as easy as it used to be. You're not in high school where you're bombarded with this world that apparently everything revolves around you. And now you're going to work which you probably don't like or you do like. And you're only around maybe one or two young people. And now you have to choose which one fits your, I guess, your list of preferences. And, and sometimes none of them fit. And, and, and so it's hard to make friends and, and whatnot. So I ask everyone who is struggling with this um, that to reach out or or to make your story known to other people and i'll pray for you and um i just want to uh leave it at that i want to leave it at that point and so um last thing actually i want to i want to give a shout out to my wife who encouraged me to use my normal voice i know that you guys probably didn't notice it but she did and she gave me some hard truth and so that encouraged me that helped me with this podcast it hasn't been easy but it definitely has been worth it um, with the feedback and, and, and the journey I've been on. And so uh, I love you guys. And I hope this episode has been fruitful and beneficial. And uh, don't forget, take all thoughts captive in Christ Jesus. Don't take all thoughts captive in your leader or in some guy, but in the words of Jesus who loves you and died for you on the cross. May God's grace and his blessing guide you in all your ways. God bless you guys and, and much love.